Welcome to the fourth episode of the third series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Muscat, and in today's episode, I'll be talking with a woman whose neurodivergent thinking has created change in the organisation she's worked for. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She started her career in the finance sector before moving into one of the first pure play digital insurance companies. Realising a love for test and learn environments, she joined one of the world's leading platform-based businesses and now heads up CX strategy and operations for Sub-Saharan Africa at Uber. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Addy Grace Tobias. Hi, Addy. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the Women in CX podcast. It's so awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a, such an incredible pleasure. And welcome to everybody listening at home as well. So I'm super excited to have Addy Tobias on the show. She works at Uber. And today we're going to have a really important conversation that centers around neurodiversity. So strap yourselves in, ladies, and get ready for an exciting ride. So Addy, I'm going to like, ease you in gently to the Women in CX podcast and simply ask Wonderful. you, <laughs> what was your path into the world of customer experience? So definitely not the most um, predictable path, I will say. Um, I spent most of my career in very rigid, um, highly regulated industries such as financial services um, and kicked off my, you know, I think career in marketing. And so spent quite a bit of of my energy learning about marketing and figuring out kind of what works, what doesn't work, why do strategies um, sometimes work and sometimes they don't work. Um, And along with that, a big part of what I found made marketing successful is engagement. And so that was really my gateway into exploring what it could be. Um, I was um, employed once again in in quite a highly regulated area, but was given um, an opportunity by really great leaders to carve out my own role. And this role kind of sat between business, um, the business analysts, and marketing, which is a weird hybrid, very strange in many in many companies. But um, because of my experience in CRM and CRM systems, I was given this opportunity to kind of bring these two worlds apart. Because it was a B2B2C business, um, I spent quite a lot of time thinking about how do we engage with each of those stakeholder groups in the best way possible? And what other processes do we need to put in together or supplement these, these engagement kind of um, triggers? How do, we, how do we make this work well? Um, I also learned from a very prestigious private bank, the value of um, relationships and just 
sticking it out with customers and then they have a cradle to grave approach which is something that i've carried with me since the beginning of my career um, and it's really important for us to carve out those relationships where possible if it's if it's something if it's a high touch environment look at ways in which you can carve out those experiences so it was a, a little bit of a stop start with trying to figure out, you know, how do I blend my love for engagement, my love, love for technology with my marketing background and marketing understanding. And once I ended up at a um, online insurance company, I was given the opportunity to figure it out. Um, and I found Dean Bliss's book on being the chief customer officer. And I was like, right, this is my story. This is how I'm going to rule the world. Um, um, but I, I really found it so interesting um, leveraging kind of wearable technology, thinking about like the internet of things and, and just crafting out what it meant for me. What does custom experience actually mean? And how do I test and learn in a practical way that can help bolster um, me and, and encourage me to kind of move to, to having this be my everyday job? Um, and so thankfully, in a highly regulated environment I was given the opportunity to kind of spread my wings and figure things out and because I was given that opportunity I was able to I don't know get to kind of do what I love now which is kind of find ways to meaningfully engage with um, customers on any and every kind of platform that is so cool I, I was just like nodding along listening because it really resonated with me to think you know it kind of wasn't a piece of paper that had a job description on that you were being told what to do it was like you were able to bring this like marketing background and fuse it with business analysis which I personally think is a huge part of being great at customer experience being able to think in those different ways and carve out a role and make it all your own um I've definitely been in in that situation too and I really honestly genuinely think these like hybrid approaches to CX rather than you know kind of traditional frameworks that kind of thing with the way things are moving so rapidly especially with technology we're having to yeah. come up with different and better ways so it's so I'm fascinated like going from like highly regulated industry and insurance now into platform-based businesses what's, what's it like working with CX in this space man crazy 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 exciting and energizing um, I think it's quite magical, actually, um, in that you you learn business in a traditional fashion and you cut your teeth in a traditional fashion working in these businesses and having worked now at a platform based business, which I don't think it was meant to be a platform-based business initially. It was meant to just be ride hailing and now it is a platform-based business and um, we I think it's incredibly exciting, not just from a CX perspective, but from, um, I think, an end-to-end -end business perspective, because they you literally have no restrictions. Go where your team wants to take you or the technology takes you. And so what I find to be quite special is that you're able to, to test and learn really quickly. 
you'll know what works and what doesn't work in a heartbeat. And you're able, I think, with using continuous improvement frameworks and um, any other kind of operational excellence tools, you're able to pinpoint where things aren't working well and tweak it up until it gets to a point that you're happy with it. And I think that because platform-based businesses have so many fingers in, in, in many pies, there's so many moving parts. And for someone like me with a brain like what I have, it's kind of like magical because I don't just have to think about one specific industry or one specific way of um, looking at a problem or thinking about customers. I can think about it in non-traditional ways and be like, hey, have we thought about doing this? Would we ever do this? Could we cross this bridge? Um, and so I find that it, it to be very, very interesting and very energizing, especially in the introductory phase. Um, I think as it kind of grows into a more traditional business that you come with, it comes with more traditional problems. Um, but just having been exposed to technology in this way now, I am sold, 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 sold. Like this is where I want to spend my time um, for as long as I can work or my brain will allow me to work. Um, yeah, I find it e extremely exciting. Okay, so Silicon Valley tech-based businesses are a good place for neurodiversity, right? <laughs> good to test and learn and experiment. In some ways, in some ways, in some ways. Um, I, I definitely think it, it contributes um, I think working in a very simple kind of basic business model may not be as exciting, but I think it's important to understand that for platform businesses, you still need to have the foundations right. You still have to have a good value proposition. You yeah. still have to be profitable. You still have to think about, you know, your operations and how, how you put systems in place for that. Um, your brand is still important. So the basics are still important. But once you have that, man, like the world is your oyster. You can go wherever your brain wants you to go. So is that opportunities for innovation are more embraced in that kind of environment as opposed to feel like a huge risk? in more traditional businesses. I know my background in like retail, for example, and a business that existed for like 125 years before I got there, like <laughs> creating innovation and, and change in the kind of cultural environment for that um, sounds like a very different experience. So yeah, and, and obviously yeah. getting to work on my own platform-based business with women in CX, I'm totally with you. You know, test, learn, innovate, kind of just iterate every time we learn something new um, in terms of like how I think is, very exciting and very fun. So, so tell me a little bit more about um, a moment that shaped you into the woman you are today. Man, I think it would be important that I acknowledge my mother in this moment. If I don't, <laughs> then <laughs> I may get thrown off to the side. But uh, no, look, I think that I was raised in a way. Um, in a very non-traditional way, I was raised to be super tenacious um, and to keep pushing boundaries and not to settle for anything less than what you deem to be the right thing. And so I've always found that to be quite a good motivator, especially in challenging, um, in challenging environments. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, having that as my foundation and the stuff 
that I use to kind of push through some of the difficult, um, difficult times. I mean, I started out in Carnaby Street in a little bit of like an in, like an what travel insurance company. Back then, it was called Internet Marketing, where we did like reciprocal link campaigns. It was like really, really basic. Um, really boring um but I think that opened up my my mind and my eyes in a way to technology that I had not had the exposure to at that point so that was a, a big one and then I moved on to kind of more traditional work and thinking about a career um, and I think a, an, an important moment for me was was being able to you know craft my own role in a company that has never done it before and to have incredible leaders guide me through it help kind of structure sometimes my wild thoughts into a very corporate conversation um, that allowed me to progress in the way that that I have now granted I'm not as formal as I was when I was working in financial services but it still helped with with the foundation and I think you know, once I moved to um, an, an, an insurance company that only kind of administered insurance online, which had never been heard of, you could literally get an underwritten policy in 30 minutes that was never done before. And I had the privilege of working with incredibly smart people and incredibly, um, how, the, the leaders were maybe not even traditional, non-traditional leaders is the word I'm looking for. They were super non-traditional in their approach to business, in their approach to people, and their approach to growth of their people that worked for the organization. And so that was a, a big moment for me, actually, where I was working at a startup and the job was essentially us, the collective five or six of us, we need to build this thing into you know, something that a large entity would want to acquire. I've never been faced with that before. Um, and they said, here you go, blank sheet, write what it is that you want to do, but let's build this thing. And so to me, I think that was probably the biggest opportunity and biggest moment in my life where I had to really think, goodness, what do I want for my career? What is really good for the business? And what will be sustainable so that when, you know, we eventually sell off, we'll continue still to, to tick on. You know, how do I build something that is sustainable, that is thoughtful, that is mindful, that is intentional? Um, and so I think that would probably be like the, the biggest point. Um, but there have definitely been a sequence of opportunities. Um, and then I think more recently is my diagnosis as having ADHD. Um, I mean, I was diagnosed probably about three and a half years ago now. And so retrospectively, a whole bunch of things make so much sense. I now understand why that was fun. Why was that such a monumental, um, you know, moment for me? Why did I think that that was such a big deal? And the reason it was a big deal was because I could just let my brain go. I could write on whiteboards. I could paint whatever. I could literally build it and we figure out whether it works. And I think that in itself was... Um, probably the biggest catalyst for, for helping me get to where I am now. And then understanding my brain more is, is helping me carve out a more 
um, maybe a specific direction for where I want to take this now. Um, but I'm learning so much about this little brain of mine. Um, and it's empowering, super empowering to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I obviously share very similar uh, neurodiversity traits with you, but my um, mine got picked up when I was a lot younger. And I just remember feeling like really other, especially at school, yep. because I could like crack on and do all my work faster than anyone, but then I'd be bored. So would quite often be in trouble standing outside the headmaster's office regularly. Um, and, and when there was like a, a level of like, I'd kind of reached the point, I don't know, like I was, I just had enough of education, I think. Like, then I just got labeled yeah. and disruptive, but I wasn't. I just didn't really suit some of the typical learning methods that you are forced into at school. Um, And it really Mm -hmm. resonated with me hearing you talk about the blank sheet of paper jobs, because I think pretty much all my jobs have been that, (laughs) apart from one very early on. But, you know, being able to say, like, I've got this vision of what we could do with customer experience. And it is a bit different because, yeah, you won't see this written in a white paper anywhere. This is innovation. Um, I'm fusing lots of different types of thinking here to come up with this approach and this strategy and can we just try it and it works you know oh, yeah. it doesn't work straight straight away test learn iterate build on what we do um, yeah and and I yeah I just really kind of feel a sense of you know what I was led to believe was something maybe that was a, a bit of a disability in other people's eyes actually became my superpower and enabled me to do the things that I've done. So it'd be great to hear a bit more about like your <laughs> experience of <laughs> thinking differently. How how have you been received? Yeah. What have you had to do to try and f- maybe like feel like you had to fit in, or like what what have your superpowers brought you in CX? <laughs> well, look, I didn't. I just thought in the beginning I was super charismatic, and. <laughs> super charismatic people are just people are drawn to me they want to work with me they found they find what I say interesting and exciting but in reality um working in in a very formal environment was incredibly difficult for me I constantly needed to look for things and ways to excite myself about my job, not because what I was doing wasn't meaningful, but because I just didn't have the ability to see it through. Um, And so there were strategies that I used and I only now retrospectively understand why I did what I did. I would always find someone who appreciated my wild thoughts, Always, I somehow was able to find a champion in these very formal, stuffy, sometimes locations or businesses, found a champion, they loved it. I was like, right, okay, so how do I now take my wacky, crazy ideas? Who do I go to to help me map it out in a, an acceptable manner? 
how do I do this? Okay, so now let me go and find another person who can help me do this in, in a way that I'm able to articulate what, what people need to understand. Now, having an understanding of comms and marketing was useful because I had some knowledge of what it is that people needed to hear and what maybe format was digestible for them. Um, and then we would go ahead and present. I will only present at the beginning and I will only close off at the end. When it came to the middle bits where it was super intricate, like I'd have a partner with me in there and we would tag team and talk through it. These are things that I found myself doing more than once. Every single location, I was like, right, you are good at detail, awesome. I like detail. I just can't focus on it for too long. So let's talk. And that was my method. That's how I, I coped. I partnered with people who appreciated what my kind of way of thinking was and what my contribution was. And also helped me learn some skills in how I can kind of, you know, build up or flex some of those weaker muscles for myself. Um, and what I found is that early on, I loved colors, right? I mean, I've always loved colors. Like if you think about back in the day in school, like having a pencil case with many colored pens and crayons and cookies was like my utmost best. I still have mine here. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the other I have colors galore. galore. Anything you can dream. <laughs> the post-it note power. It was always, always part and parcel of how I worked. And some people who would order the stationery would be like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, why would she always request? these random things and I couldn't tell them why I just needed it to work and I would always map out things in color so that I could stay focused on what we were talking about um and that's one of the strategies that I've now learned is a coping mechanism it's the way that we learn to cope in the in a neurotypical world mm. um but it was so interesting for me to kind of think back you know, what did I do? How did I cope? How did I navigate these things? And predominantly it was me, you know, pushing the boundaries and having people think of me as being a weirdo. And I was okay with that because I was confident enough with it. Yeah. Um, but I think where it got really difficult was in like boardrooms mm. where you're sitting with a group of executives and I'm sitting there with blue lipstick, wild hair, you know, just trying to present a really serious plan to them. That's where things got a little difficult for me. And I learned how to edit, mm. edit for, for the audience that I was speaking to. Um, very difficult to do and almost um, it's quite an emotional thing to go through, mm. to think you need to edit who you are and your personality and the way you do things to be palatable for people. Um, really, diff I think that was probably one of the hardest things for me to do. Um, but I think now working in an environment where I can legitimately show up to work like this yeah. and lead a team like this yeah. and present in any which fashion, nose ring, hair, colored lips, colored nails, doesn't matter. We want you, we're interested in your work. We're interested in what you can put together. We're interested in the way you lead. 
I think that is so, so important in leveraging the benefits of having people who aren't neurotypical because it's magical. It's magical to have a brain that works like this. It is. I fully believe it. I sell it to my team. If I go off on a little rant, they know to bring me back mm. to the conversation because full disclosure, this is who I am. Um, I love what I do. And sometimes I don't necessarily, can't necessarily stay in the conversation like you can, um, but it's worth it. Like stick it, stick it with me or stick it out with me and, and you'll see the benefit. Um, and it typically, it typically works. Um, or at least I think so. Oh, man. Honestly, it's like hearing my own story being played back to me, like so much of what you're saying, I'm like, oh God, yeah, me too, me too, me too. So one of the things like finding a, like a power partner who thinks the complete opposite way and is really good at the detail. Um, the best projects I ever worked on, especially in corporate, was when I partnered with someone with like a finance and business analysis background. Yep. So I've been yep. there, you know, with the vision, um, coming up with the these ideas and crazy things to try, but they would keep me grounded in being able to say this is the business case why this is a good idea, because for me to see kind of like from vision right through to execution measurements like and then playing back yeah information. I, like I, I i i was twice the cx professional i was when i partnered with someone so i really get you um and also living in a neurotypical world and meeting a boss who loved what i did and what i brought and valued that difference was a game changer for me because there were times i worked with people who just didn't get it or get me at yeah all. And I felt like yeah. there was something wrong with me. Mm. But they were very typical um, corporate men, predominantly. <laughs> uh, and I remember yep. always getting the feedback, you need to take people on the journey with you. And I would be like, but how? And it sounds like you found a boss and the post-it note way of working that enabled you to do that. And for me, discovering CX design helped me too, because I could go from, you know, these big kind of like big, ideas and thought trails that no one could follow to being able to use CX design to express this and do workshops with other yeah. people who perhaps didn't think in the same corporate way especially from the front line and they could express their ideas and, and thoughts that way too so yeah you can only really join the dots backwards I think you're right and for me yep I I, I don't think I would be employable corporately anymore you know I found my niche in my in this like kind of startup and entrepreneurial space and building teams that complement my <laughs> my crazy kind of like founder um, view of the world and and like you say you know we learn how to modify in the right situations but I don't feel like we have to lose who we are to fit in and mm -hmm. when you find the right place for you um, where your difference is valued and appreciated like you have now like it's incredible to hear how passionately you're talking about your 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 blossoming and your flourishing and and yeah like we just have to find the right place and the right environment yeah so, so I guess my my final question really is like what would your advice be for I guess initially businesses out there who want to embrace neurodiversity better what can they be doing read read about what neurodiversity is I I mean and it doesn't even need to be in a formal manner I think I learned my learning curve about ADHD went like this when I started listening to clubhouse rooms with other professionals who are in tech who live with you know 
a neurodivergent brain. Like I think I learned so much more. TikTok has a whole set of videos. So, so when I say read, I mean, understand the perspective of a neurodivergent person and try to think where you in your business processes, whether it be HR, whether it be whether you're signing on a vendor, where in your processes do you not cater? Where are you so rigid where you're not open to having conversations with people who may sometimes have a nervous tick or may sometimes speak too fast or may not be listening, you know, straight up. You need to think really differently. But the only way in which you do that, if you've got a neurotypical brain, is to read about it in, I think, a, in an academic fashion um, to help you make sense of it. But if you are a neurodivergent person yourself, I think you have the responsibility to also teach people about what makes you different, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. This is why I do certain things. If I do this, please just remind me. Um, There's certain skills that complement each, I think, team, right? A neurotypical team and, and a neurodivergent team, you both need to learn from each other in order for that exchange to be magical. I don't think you can do it just by, you know, sitting there and, and being academic about it and be like, well, this person ticks all the boxes. And so maybe I have some processes that are that accommodate these individuals, but you need to understand it intrinsically. It's not just an academic thing. It's, it literally affects every single thing in our lives, everything, how we do chores, how we do shopping, how we process information, how we listen, how we feel. It's not just about, you know, how to work with someone, but it's really just having the empathy to understand the position that they come from. And so I think the willingness to be open, the willingness to learn, the willingness to have a robust conversation an inclusive conversation, a truly inclusive conversation is really important. And in that, you then learn, okay, so where do I need to make tweaks within myself? And where do I then need to make tweaks within my business to try and be more accepting of people who may not come across as typical? Mm. Oh, it's so interesting. I was just um, thinking while you were talking there, which is something I frequently do. <laughs> about about something you said in the previous um, segment which was about you know kind of full disclosure here this is who I am and how I think so like being upfront with people about the quirks yeah. the differences so they can more easily understand embrace and accept and support you one yeah um, it was a really interesting point but you've also got to feel safe to be able to be that open about yourself and that is definitely a culture and environment thing and I think diversity and inclusion and equity is becoming an increasingly important topic in every circle in every sense of business but neurodiversity seems to still be something that isn't commonly discussed so I'm really proud of us for starting this conversation girl (laughs) (laughs) and and and, and we'll continue it through um, the women in CX community I'm really excited to be publishing a blog on neurodiversity even from you uh, this week as well and also Anna Schultz who's got two neurodiverse sons um I think you know awesome. this the start of us being able to raise this yeah. but, but ultimately to me you know I 
neurodiversity and bringing your neurodiversity into neurotypical environments will absolutely be a game changer for innovation hands down and when it comes to customer experience it is a superpower I might disappear into my mind palace for a little while and have to really think about how I talk about what I'm doing but yeah it comes innovation so yeah what, what would be your final kind of message to leave our listeners with or for our women in CX out there what would you say when I get asked that question, my brain literally does this boing, all these many things I want to say. <laughs> so as someone says, give me one thing, my brain is just like, no, I'm going to give you a hundred. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we all the other ones we can put in your blog this week. <laughs> yes. So I think, I mean, I, I'm really, really excited to start this conversation. Um, I know that I am one of the very few people in my organization to try and start this conversation. It's not an easy one because yes, safety is important, but I think the more mature we become and the more we accept ourselves, we can guide people who are just coming into the industry. We can kind of blaze the trail for them to feel more accepted in, in, in typical environments. And so for me, I feel quite a big responsibility as a leader in my organization to try and do that. Um, and so I think what I'd like to leave them with is that if you know anyone who um, is neurodivergent or you don't you know know too much about neurodiversity read up about it learn about it understand it um it's super interesting i promise once you understand what it's about and how um it impacts our day-to-day -day life I'm, i can assure you you'll find many people in your world that may in actual fact be neurodivergent and and they may not know themselves so learn as much as you can be open be receptive be kind, oh, please be kind. Um, be kind to people that, you know, you're aware of their, you know, um, I, I don't like to say challenges because it's not that, we just think differently. Um, uh, I think, yeah, being kind and encouraging people who are neurodivergent, goodness, be brave guys. Like you've got a group of people that can back you. Um, I assure you, if anyone wants to chat about this, I'm, my door's open. Very happy to, to learn, very happy to chat, very happy to teach where possible with what I know so far. Um, but yeah, just be open, I guess. It's not very philosophical, I know, but <laughs> be open that's and the be best kind. I have. I love it. I love it. No, and yeah. be open and be kind. I think that's a great message to end on. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're such an inspiring woman. I would love talking to you. And 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 you are having me clear. Ah, and let's make one of those first places um to do your webinar and to help to educate be in our community. And yeah, we'll start there. <laughs> But it's amazing. Excited to, to do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm buzzed up, ready for my weekend now. So thank you so much, Adi. And I'll see you on the community very soon. And thanks to everyone for listening. Bye, Adi. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review of whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please join us at womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. 
Join us again next week where I'll be talking to a woman who's leading the way for customer experience in the non-profit and social housing sectors. See you all next week.